Happy New Year. How's everybody doing? Are you ready for a new year? I like the first part of the year, you know, the end of the last year, the beginning of the new year. Uh, I think I told you this uh, uh, back in December. There's one Christmas song I like uh, by John Lennon, you know, and he says, so this is Christmas and what have you done? Another year's over and a new one's just begun. And uh, I, that kind of, for me, encapsulates how I feel that at the end of the year. It's like it's evaluation time. It's time to look back and say, what's happened for the last year? And what do I want to do differently for the next year? Y'all do that, don't you? I'm sure a few of you have New Year's resolutions. A few of you have even quit them already, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've had more Mountain Dew this week than I intended. And, uh, guys, that's, that is a natural process. That is a good, I believe psychologically it is good. Okay, now, now the good thing about it, the cool thing about it is Christians, we can do that any time. And I believe, honestly, that should be a perpetual state for us, where you are constantly evaluating where you are in your walk with Jesus and saying, how can I do differently? What can I do differently? Um, and as the elders, Tim and Alan and myself, uh, we've been doing this for several months. We've been looking at the year. Tonight is the celebration. That's at 6 o'clock, correct? Tim is going to be presenting the theme for the year. I encourage you all to be here, guys. I'm excited about it because the theme, in my opinion, really gives the church focus. And we've worked hard at this. I believe God's putting us in this direction. And we, like I was just saying, we evaluate. The theme came out of our evaluation of where the church is at and where we want it to go. I mean, there's an evaluation that takes place. Um, and we've been at that for quite some time. I mean, I've spoken with both, Tim and Alan, independently. And I'll have a conversation with them. And it's the same conversation. Well, guys, we're just seeing where we are at. You know, Alan was sharing with me some some frustrations he was having as he was talking with different leaders and finding out where they were at. He goes, they're not, leaders aren't where I thought they were at. And I said, well, you know, and he was a little bummed about it. I said, well, that's good. Not that they're not where we think they're at, but that we realize it. You see, because if you don't realize you have a problem, what happens? You don't do anything about it. You know, I'm sure there's more than one of us, and no, no, no show of hands. Somebody have a new, new Year's resolution to lose weight, correct? Yeah? And how'd that come about? You looked in the mirror and took an evaluation, correct? And guys, that's what the, the Bible describes itself as a mirror. That we look at and we see ourselves. And guys, we're looking at the, at the Greater Alton Church, and we see some very specific needs. Very specifically, guys, we, one of the things we've talked about, and this is in private conversations, um, there has been a rash of what can only be described as immaturity. I don't know how else to put that. If you've got your Bibles, I've got some verses I want to read that aren't in your, in your notes. It's in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. And these verses, I'm going to be reading from the contemporary English version, so you may not, unless you have that version, you may not be able to follow along real closely. But this is what it says. It says, much more could be said about this subject, but it is hard to explain. And all of you are slow to understand. By now, you should have been teachers. 
But once again, you need to be taught the simplest things about what God has said. You need milk instead of solid food. People who live on milk are like babies who don't really know what is right. Solid food is for, the mature, is for mature people who have been trained to know right from wrong. Guys, I believe with all my heart that that could be said of Greater Alton right now. And all I mean by that is we're not where we could be. We're not where I believe we should be. And guys, we have all, Tim and Alan and I, we've all went through this in our individual lives over the last several years. Uh, it was 10 or 11 years ago where I took a look at my life and I realized, look, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. At the time, I was still deeply involved in the, uh, the struggle with depression. And I was a leader at Greater Alton. Those two don't match. Those didn't go together. And I didn't use this terminology, but what I did in my life is I decided that, look, I need to give attention to where I'm at. I'm not where I should be, so I need to go back. And I need to start over, if you will, or start where I'm at and move forward. And, guys, that's what we're doing with Greater Alton. I am excited about tonight. I'm excited about the next two weeks. And I'm excited about the theme for the year. Because, guys, I believe it gives us focus. But, guys, if you have focus, if you're trying to do something that you're incapable of, what's going to happen? You're going to be frustrated. If we're sitting here telling you, hey, everybody ought to be able to run a marathon. Yeah, it ain't going to happen, is it? You should be able to run a marathon. You, you used to run real good. Well, I haven't ran in a while. Well, guess what? I have, if, I, if I decide I want to run a marathon, I'm going to have to go back and start over. Okay? I actually went to the track a few weeks back, and uh, what I did is I jogged, not ran. I jogged the curve and walked the straightaways. Okay? Why? Because that's where I'm at. I believe I have a God-given ability to run a marathon or run distances such as that. But right now, I can't. Because that's where I'm at. Father, guys, you have, we have to see where we are at before we can move forward. And this morning, with that thought in mind, we want to look at a story that Jesus told. He told it in three different passages. He told it in Matthew 13. He told it in Mark 4. And he told it in Luke 8. We're going to read it in Luke 8 in just a minute here, if you want to turn there. Um, and I'm going to jump around between all three passages, and I'll explain that as I go. But this story is a matter of evaluation. It's a matter of seeing where you're at. See, because if you think you're in one position and you're not, it's going to be frustrating. And guys, as you're turning there, I want to read a passage that's in your notes. It's in Matthew 13, verse 12. This is Jesus in the middle of explaining this story to his disciples. And this is what he has to say. He says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. You see, guys, Jesus presents us right there with an either-or situation. Either you're growing and you're understanding what God has to say, or what? You're shrinking back. You're losing ground. And guys, as we do this evaluation today, as we look at the parable of the soils, guys, I want to ask you, number one, to make a choice that you, which group you want to be in. 
I mean, if you want to be in that first group, I want you to decide right now as you go through, you're going to be honest in evaluating yourself. Honest in looking which soil best, best fits you. If you want to be in the other one, just sit quietly, okay? But anyway, let's read the story here in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable. Parable is simply a story, guys. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to me, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Guys, right off the bat, Jesus tells a story about, about a farmer sowing seed in the first century. And just as a word, just kind of a little bit of background, farming was different then than it is now. Okay? Instead of tractors, they had oxen, they had cows, and they had people. And that's how they go about it. I, was t- I, was, I, I do some work in the farming community, and it is amazing when you see what uh, the equipment that is out there for farmers today. They have tractors and combines that are hooked into GPS systems. And the GPS system will tell them, like when they, when they harvest their corn in the, in the fall, it will measure how much corn is coming off each particular section of property. And if you've ever seen aerial photos of ground, you can see, wow, there's dark, rich ground. What is that? You know, it looks like it's gray and nasty. Well, this combine will tell you, they will know where that bad dirt is at, or dirt that's not as good, and they can say, well, look, on the good ground, you've got 150 bushels per acre out of the good ground, but over here on this bad piece of ground, you only got 100 bushel of corn. And so they can evaluate where it's at, and they can say, uh, they can go back the next year, they can plug this, take this module out of the combine, put it in their tractor, and now the tractor, when they're fertilizing, will put more fertilizer on the bad ground than it does the good ground. And they don't even have to know where, you know, where it is. It all does it all. Very precise. In the first century, they were not that precise. Okay? The way they did it then 
was they took the they took a bag of seed, walked out, and they just spread it. They call it broadcasting it. Some of you probably planted grass seed that way, right? Doesn't come up in rows. They just throw it, and then they would go through and plow it under sometimes to to get it to take root. But once they would do this, they wouldn't know which which ground it's falling on. And so this was very natural when Jesus told this story that people looked at that. And he had to go back and explain it. See, guys, the four soils represent four types or groups of people. And you need to know right now, as we go through this, that I am in one of those groups right now. Every one of us in this room fall in. We, our hearts are the equivalent of one of these four types of soil that Jesus talks about. Now, I believe you can go from one to the other, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, guys, you have a tendency. You are one more than the other. And he's talking about where you're at, and so we want to look at this. The first, one, the first type of soil he talks about is he refers to as the footpath, the path. And that equals a hard heart. And, guys, what this really means is these are people who, who God hit, you know, on the path, and on the ground that he's talking about, people have walked on it, the ground's hardened. They're not going to plow over it to loosen it up because people are going to walk on it. So the seed never has any effect. The birds come and eat it, and that's the way it is. Guys, this, he's very clear. This represents people who never make a decision about Jesus. Who the word of God comes, it hits their heart. They are hard-hearted, and it says the devil takes the word of God away. They don't understand it. They don't make an effort to understand it, and the devil takes it away. Guys, these people are lost. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And guys, for, for, for this group right here I'm talking to you today, for most people of Greater Alton, that's not you. I say that because most of you in this room today accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, correct? Okay? So that really, that, I believe you can go back to that, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But right now, that's not where you're at. Everyone, the most of us here, if you're in this room and you can say, I have never made a decision about Jesus, well, then this is where you, this is where you fall. And we would like to help you to make a decision about Jesus. You want to know about that? We're, help, we're willing to, to help you, to talk to you, saying, I don't understand it. We want you to help. We want to help you understand I don't believe you're stuck in any one kind of soil. Okay? If you go over a path, and I've seen this where farmers take a field road, and they will start plowing it, and guess what? They'll get stuff to grow on it. And so, guys, if you, you look at that and you're in that, but, but for today, I want to really talk about the next three types of soil because I know the majority of us have made a decision about Jesus. So let's move on, shall we? The second type of soil is the rocky soil, and that's a lazy heart. I refer to it as a 21st century American. <laughs> I say that, guys, and I'm guilty. And side note is we are influenced by the world around us. You would be wise to take a look at the world around us and see what the world takes seriously and what the world takes lightly and understand that you are going to tend towards being like that unless you make a conscious choice. And the world around us today in America says... I'm entitled to things, and I want it easy. I don't want to have to work. 
I believe I'm entitled to life, liberty, and happiness. Not just the pursuit of them. And you look at the work ethic of America today versus 100, 150 years ago, or 200 years ago, totally different. Totally different. And guys, we need to realize that. Because I I know, guys, I'll say it. I've said it. I want life to be easy. I admit it. I want life to be easy and comfortable. A few years ago, I read a book, and it was talking about life values and how life values influences the decisions you make. And I go, my life values are comfort and ease. Guys, you have to fight those. But that's what this is. Look at this. In Matthew 13, here's what it says. It says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have roots, they don't, excuse me, they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You see, guys, the ground in the first century, and I, I've heard two versions of how this is. I've heard one version where there's the rocky soil is just there's rocks, it's kind of like Missouri. You go over to Missouri, there's rocks in the soil. They don't farm in Missouri like they do in Illinois because there's rocks. I've heard another, another, and these rocks get in the way of roots. I've heard another version where there's places where Jesus told this story where there's actually a layer of dirt on top of a shelf, like a shelf of rock. Either way, it's the same effect. The rocks get in the way of the roots. And they, they, they don't have deep roots, so they fall away. Guys, I want to read to you. And I encourage you to do this. What I did, I told you this, this story is in three different passages. It's in Mark 4, Luke 8, and Matthew 13. And I encourage you, those, those are, are, it's recorded in each one. There's a little bit of different details. They don't contradict each other. But there's different details that are revealed in each one. And I took those three passages, and I also looked at them in different translations. And that's a very good idea, because sometimes one translation just gets it wrong. And I'm, I'm just being honest with you. And, and, and when you look at the different translations, sometimes when they put it, they, it'll say the same thing, exact same thing, but the wording really strikes you better. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? It makes more sense to you. Um, and I'm going to read to you what this says about the rocky soil. And this is from all three passages. This is from <clears throat> different translations. And I didn't write down which one was from which. But you'll get the point. It says, as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word, as soon as trouble or suffering comes because of the message, as soon as life gets hard or the message gets them in trouble, they believe for a little while until they face temptation, until they are put to the test. As soon as life gets hard, when their faith is tested, you see, guys, you look at all those, and I say that because it casts a whole new light on it. Traditionally, when we looked at this passage, or in my life, in my experience, when you looked at this passage, it was we focused in on persecution. You know, that you believe in Jesus, and people around you don't want you to believe in Jesus. And when I look at all that, when I look at all those different translations and from the different, uh, <clears throat> different texts of what's told, I see it's a whole lot more than persecution, don't you? You see, guys, he talks about just when it gets hard, just when it's difficult. 
Now, what happens when you are a person who wants things easy and things get difficult? I quit. I quit. That's what I do. And you see also, guys, one of the things it talks about is that it's traditionally, when we've read this passage, we say they fall away. What does fall away mean? It means they, they, they leave God. And traditionally, we believe that means they, they, don't, they stop coming to church. I want to tell you guys, I believe you can be rocky soil and not quit coming to church. Life can get hard and you can abandon the faith and still come here every week. Did you know that? You see, faith simply means you're going to believe what God says. And you're going to act on it. And you see, all of a sudden what happens is you come on something that's difficult and you go, I'm not sure, I'm not going to do that. You see, it's easy to accept Jesus as Savior, right? And know you're saved and know when you die you go to heaven and everything's good. And then you get married. And you look at what God says about being married. He says, husbands, love your wives the way Jesus loved the church. And you go, I don't want to love her that much. <laughs> Guys, that's hard. Uh, it's hard. What does that mean? Well, the way Jesus loved the church is he loved her and died for her when, when she didn't care about him. When she treated him bad. I mean, that's what he says. We all just walked on Jesus. We turned her back on him and thought he was dirt. And I'm supposed to love, even when I feel like I'm treated like, and I emphasize feel like, okay, like I'm treated like dirt. What does it say to wives? It says submit to your husband. Is that a popular thing to do in today's world? You try mentioning that at work. Okay, yeah, the Bible says I'm trying to, I'm supposed to, I'm trying to submit. Or somebody's having problems, you go, well, I think you need to submit to him. What? You would get some persecution then. But guys, we do that. We do that. We go along and everything's great. I've been saved. Life is wonderful. And then somebody treats you wrong. And the Bible says you need to forgive them. And or maybe it's not somebody. In the, and it's somebody. Maybe it's not somebody in the church. Maybe it's somebody outside of the church. And you have an enemy. And you see that the Bible says you need to love them, and you need to do good to them, and you need to pray for their good. Does that sound hard? You see, guys, those are things that are hard. What happens? The rocky soil stops. A person whose heart's rocky stops and says, I'm not going any farther. I'm not going to go any farther. You see, guys, even following Jesus to save you is easy. But the truth is, continuing to follow Jesus is a challenge. And every one of us has those challenges. Every one of us has them. And we're not going to experience life the way God wants us to do it unless we move forward. Guys, I I ask you right now, look at your life. Is there a rock in your life? Is there a rock where God has brought you to a difficult place and you say, I'm not moving forward. I'm not going to trust God on this. You see, because that's what happens. When God brings you to a place and shows you what he says, and you just choose not to act on it, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. 
Guys, there's a passage at the end of your notes. I want to look at it right now. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 29. In verse 18, it says, I'm making this is God talking in the Old Testament. And he says, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan or tribe will turn away from the Lord, our God, to worship these gods of other nations. And so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. God, I say this because here's, here's what happens. When you get to a difficult place of following God, when you get to something He's calling you to do, and it's clear in His Word that that's what He wants you to do, and you don't do it, two things are happening. Number one is you're choosing to worship another God. You're choosing to follow a different God. And second is you're going to bear, bear bitter and poisonous fruit. You see, because weeds will grow anywhere, won't they? A uh, story I heard years ago up at University of Illinois, they were, putting in, they were putting in a new football field. That's what they were doing. And somehow or another, this football field, I don't know if they were taking the AstroTurf up or they were taking the, 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 the they may have been taking grass up and putting AstroTurf down. I don't remember. But you, most of you know, if you go to a football field, one of these highfalutin colleges, their grass does not have weeds in it. I mean, they take care of it. There's no weeds. Well, they took all this dirt out and they put it in a pile. And that dirt, that grass had been in, been there for like 50 or 60 years. And they take this pile of dirt and set it off to the side. And do you know what happens? Weeds started growing from that. Seeds that had been in there for years decided to grow. And you see, guys, that's what happens. If you're not growing for God, you're growing bitter, poisonous fruit. Weeds are going to grow in your rocky soil. You're not going to just be, well, I can get around this, and I don't have to deal with this, and guess what? I can move forward. No, you won't. It won't happen. It won't happen. <clears throat> See, guys, it's easy to follow Jesus as your Savior, but it's difficult to let him change you. So third soil, guys, we want to look at is the thorny soil. I call this the distracted, deceived heart. The distracted, deceived heart. There in Luke chapter 8. Jesus describes it. He said, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Mark 4, he describes it this way. It says, but the worries of this light, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, Come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. You see, guys, this is a great example of where you look at two different passages of, this, of the same story and how he sheds a different light on it. Uh, in Luke, it says what happens. They never grow to maturity. This is a maturity problem. Thorny soil has a maturity problem. 
What does it say in Mark 4? It says making it unfruitful. Immature people don't bear fruit. Immature people do not bear fruit. Guys, this is the, I'm just going to be honest. This is the group that I fall into most easily. This is my natural state of existence, is distracted and deceived. I like to call this soil, soil the married with children group. And I say that simply because as a person goes from being single to getting married and then having children and those children getting older, the number of distractions goes up exponentially. I mean, everything under the sun. I was telling people this morning that I, I can remember when my daughter was about 14 months old. Uh, she was being weaned, so I was the one that got up with her in the middle of the night. And I was talking to a friend, and I said, all I want to do is sleep all night in my own bed twice a week. Twice a week. That's all I wanted. See, because when one kid woke up, they came to our bed, and by the time the second kid hit the bed, I went looking for another bed. And I mean, guys, and then what happens? You know, I, I remember, you know, just about pulling my hair out, and I was standing talking to a man who had four kids, and I, I was just thinking, I, I made the comment, I go, oh, I can't wait till I get a little older. He goes, they ain't going to get no better. I said, what do you mean? How can it not get any better? You can put it in front of the TV and lock the bedroom door, you know? And he's like, he, he, he pauses for a minute, he goes, well, it will get better. Then it'll get worse. And he is just right. Guys, children are the most wonderful thing in the world, but they take attention. That's all there is to it. You've got to get them to school. The other Thursday morning, Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning, I, I've got my day planned out. I've got an elders meeting with Tim and, Tim and Alan. I'm supposed to be there at 7 o'clock. I've got it all planned out. I'm going to put the kids on the bus. I'm going to get my windshields to do my work, and I'm going to be there at McDonald's at 7 o'clock in the morning. And so I take my kids down to the bus, and the bus doesn't show up. The bus does not show up. The next day they come early, and we miss it. And the bus was turning around because of construction. It was turning around. It didn't turn around that day. So we, we just waited. We figured it would come back. It didn't come back. I had to take him into town to catch the bus. We found out later that it was a substitute bus driver because the other bus driver had died of a heart attack. Distractions. Guys, I have my whole day planned, and guess what? It got messed with deluxe. Okay, the more variables you have, the more distractions you have. But let me be honest here. This isn't an exclusive group that's just for people married with children, is it? You see, guys, I have every intention of getting up every morning and staying focused for God and working for God, and then life happens. And there are distractions. There's work. There's bills. There's finances. There's children, there's school and all its related activities, sick kids. Did we talk about them yet? And even that, guys, you think about retirement, you think about planning for college. And then there's church activities. Have you seen any of them? And you see, guys, what happens is all this stuff, it distracts us and it deceives us. It distracts us from God's word and focusing on what we need to focus on. And then it deceives us sometimes into thinking that what we're doing is right. See, that's why it talks about. Look at those passages. What does it say? In Mark chapter 4, it says, The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. 
And then for good measure, when you look at that, you go, well, I'm not worried. I'm just carefree and God's taking care of me. And then you say, well, I don't care about getting rich. No, we don't care about that. We give money away. And then it goes, the desire for other things. Kind of all-inclusive there, isn't it? And you see, guys, ultimately, thorns originate. Thorns in your life are anything that are not from God that you give too much attention to. And not enough attention to God's Word. This afternoon, the teens are going to be challenged uh, to make a commitment in their small groups about uh, how much they're going to read their Bible or how they're going to read their Bible. And one of the things they're going to be asked to do is to commit to reading their Bible before they do something else. You know, like look at Facebook or go on Twitter or watch TV or play video games. And you see, guys, the point of that is to say, what do I give more attention to? What do I give more attention to? Let's give God's word in my life and my relationship with God the right priority. And so, guys... I just really want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to look and go, what are the thorns in your life? Do you have thorns in your life? I can tell you a huge one for me in the past was deer hunting. I don't know how else to put it, guys. I would think about, it's it's January right now. It's still bow season right now. It's got two weeks left of bow season. And the middle of January, 15 years ago, I was bumming because I had to wait till October before I could have another chance at killing a deer. Or, yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't killing deer then. And I was bumming. And I would focus about I would drive down the road and I would think about how I wanted to kill deer. And how I wanted to, to hunt deer. Kill deer is part of it. I'm sorry. you got to say that. But I would fantasize about hunting. And what I wanted to do. And how I wanted to do it. And what equipment I wanted to have. And it dominated my thoughts. Much more. Much more than living the way God wanted me to live. Much more than looking at God's Word and changing the way I lived. Guys, the last soil here is good soil. And that's a mature heart. This doesn't give away our theme or anything. But kind of the theme behind the theme. (laughs) Is that fair to say? The theme behind, for a theme, we get something catchy. You know, like last, last year's, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, we try to get some scriptures that's catchy like that. The theme behind theme is we want people to mature. That is what we want. You want to know what Tim and Alan and I as elders are focused on at Greater All, and you want to know what the target is, we want maturity to be developed in people's lives. That's what we're calling you to. That is what good soil is. We want Greater Alton to be a church that's full of good hearts. That's full of mature hearts. Look at this, guys. It says this, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. I got a typo there. Guys, let me read to you like I did before. In fact, it's maybe on the PowerPoint. Different ways that the different translations and the different passages put this about the good soil. 
You know, in this one we just read, it says they hear and accept it. Another one says they retain it. Another one says they welcome it. Another one says they keep it in their hearts. Another one says they understand it. Another one says they grasp and comprehend it. And finally, and this is my favorite, it says by persevering produces a crop. You see, guys, how long does maturity take? Somebody in the first service said, too long. All right. I am a fool. I, 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 my wife and I have three teenagers. Last weekend, we went with the teenagers down to the winter retreat. Wasn't, wasn't real bad. Wasn't real bad. I, I, I've grown in my understanding of teenagers because I have three. But my general struggle, and I put this on my struggle, my struggle, with teenagers is that they are immature compared to me. And guys, that's the reality of things, honestly. You don't expect a 13-year-old or 14-year-old or an 18-year-old to be as mature as a 40-year-old, do you? I mean, that's the reality of life. I'm sorry, guys. Forgive me. That's the way it is. Guys, one of the things that has helped me to learn with, to deal with my kids and honestly appreciate where they are and understand them and enjoy them is that I understand that maturity is a process. Maturity takes time. Maturity takes commitment and moving forward. And, guys, that's what we're, we're looking for at Greater Alton. You see, guys, which of these three groups you're in depends upon one thing. And that is what I do with the Word of God. That is what it depends on. You see, right now we're looking at the Word of God today, and I'm asking you to evaluate. And if you're sitting there and you're denying, oh, listen, I'm not either, I'm not distracted, I'm not, I'm not deceived, I'm not shallow soil, I'm not quitting. But you can't look to any fruit in your life, guess what? You're not looking at what God's Word has to say. You're not responding to God's Word correctly. You see, guys, there's one litmus test for good soil, and that's fruit. There is one litmus test for God's soil. That's the difference between these soils. What happens? The path, it never starts. The rocky soil, what happens? The plant dies. The thorny soil, it says plainly. Look back at those passages. It does not mature, and it does not bear fruit. What does it say about the good soil? Lots of fruit. That is the distinguishing characteristic. So when you look at your life, you have got to be able to say, where's the fruit? Where's the difference between where I am now and where I was a year ago? Look at this passage in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus puts it, makes it pretty plain. He says, a good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. That's the danger for thorny people, okay? He says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, 
so you can identify people by their actions. You see, guys, I believe with all my heart what you ought to be able to do is you ought to be able to be, somebody ought to stop you right now and say, ask a question, how is Jesus trying to work in your life? Or how are you becoming more like Jesus? Or what from God's word are you trying to, to take action on? And you should be able to spit it out right now. You should be able to say, you know, look, I'm having a difficult time at work. You know, I think my boss is being unfair. But, you know, the Bible says I need to work as if I'm working for the Lord, number one. And it tells us in First Peter, he's talking to a slave who's being beaten unjustly to have a good attitude. I'm not being beaten. I don't think I'm being treated fairly. But guess what? The Bible tells me I should have a good attitude. So I'm going to have a good attitude. And I'm working on that. And I'm not perfect. I blew up last week. I had a problem. But guess what? I'm working on that. You ought to be able to look, and you ought to be able to look at your life, and you ought to be able to say, like we talked about earlier, I'm a husband. You want to know how I'm focused on as a husband? Is I need to love like Jesus loved. I've been focused on that for years. Because it don't change overnight. You want to know what, you know, what are you focused on as a wife? What are you focused on as a parent? And this is kind of a side note to get into. But do you know what the Bible has to say to kids about following Jesus? I mean, specifically to children. It's real easy. <laughs> there ain't much there. You know what he says? He says, obey. He says, obey your parents. What does that say about us as parents if we don't expect our kids to obey? You see, guys, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. That's, a, again, a term that's not used in today's world very much. But, guys, I can tell you, that's something God's challenged me about. As a parent, I need to have a higher expectation of my children obeying when I tell them to do something. You see, guys, that's what good fruit or good soil does. It looks at what God's Word has to say and says, oh, my goodness, I need to take some action. And it identifies specifically what it is, and then it takes it. And you can, you're able to point to it. Guys, our goal, my goal, the elder's goal for you next year is that any of you can spit out things like I just did. You can ask, what's going on in your life? You can say, this is what's going on in my job, and this is what the Bible says, and this is what I'm doing. This is what's going on in my personal life. We've picked on married people enough. Maybe I'm single, and I desire to be married. And God's telling me to be patient. God's telling me not to, not to marry a non-Christian. So I'm, I'm not getting emotionally involved with non-Christians. I am trusting God. I believe that God has somebody in mind just for me. Maybe you're dating and it says God wants me to have a pure relationship. But the, our goal is that everybody can, at the drop of a hat, list off three, four, five things like that. And guys, when you can do that, Greater Alton's going to be an incredible place. I mean, it will be an unreal place when we as individuals decide that we want to be different. When we decide that we want to be mature. When we decide we want to be good soil. So guys, closing out today, I just want to ask you where you're at. There's two questions at the bottom. Number one is, what type of soil am I? And what does my fruit say? Why do I say that? Because those are, you may have two different answers for those. You may have two different answers. 
If you want to really want to be brave, run it by your spouse. See if they have the same answers as you. Guys, I want to encourage you. I'm asking you. All right? I'm, if you want to write it on your card, you can write it on your card. But I'm asking you to answer these questions. And I'm asking you to discuss them with someone else. If you have a discipleship group, you have a discipling relationship, I'm asking you to answer these questions. Tell somebody. Jesus is asking you to answer these questions. And to share with them. Why do we want to do that? Because you may need some help looking at things. The Bible describes itself as a mirror. And I'm to look in this mirror. What's the problem with looking in a mirror? I can't see what's behind me. I can't see what's behind me. Sometimes you need somebody to turn you around or to tell you what's behind you. And that's the point of our discipling relationships. Guys, I'm asking you to decide what you've been like. I mean, go, go get specific. If you go, well, I'm rocky soil, what are the rocks in your life? Where, have you not, where are you not trusting God? What has he called you to do that's difficult? If you look and you say, well, I'm thorny soil, what are the distractions? What are you giving too much attention to? And, what can, and identify what you can do about it. Guys, it's incredible to think about what Greater Alton is going to be like. As I've talked with Tim and Alan, we, I, I personally have never been more excited about this church. And guys, I believe this is why, because we are having some direction. Guys, now the question is, how well are we going to respond with it? Guys, I encourage you, I challenge you, I beg you to evaluate so you can move forward.